your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everybody. So, here we are back again from another little break. I, I, we take a lot of, we take more more hiatuses than, uh, than you know, uh, somebody on furlough. But today as we come back, the next section, if you're following along with our Galatians study, the uh, outline will have us talking about uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 8, going through verse 20. We also have a question on spiritual warfare today, so we'll kick it off by, uh, I'll read the, the text and then Zach and I will start working on it. So, here we go. Chapter 4, verse 8. St. Paul writes, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. And then, as... Um, and then has become your blessed i'm sorry what then has become of your blessedness for i testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me have i then become your enemy by telling you the truth they make much of you but for no good purpose they want you to shut out that you may make much of them it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, but not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So, lots of good stuff here. Uh, many, I think. Um, first of all, you come back and say, and this is an important thing, and I think we'll find this the more we pay attention to unbelievers. St. Paul says, Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. And uh, so we find out that unbelief, in Paul's words, is slavery. Yeah, there's a, a song by Bad Wolves. I don't know if you know the band, but it's... It's Jesus slaves, and every time he says that, you know, he, he screams it in the song, Jesus slaves. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm the free one. You're the slave. Yeah. You don't even know it, right? 
Oh, is it a, like a, is it kind of a diss on Christians? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, like, I'm embracing the term. He's like, Jesus slaves. I'm like, whatever. That's cool, you know. But but he doesn't understand. He's in bondage to the devil and his sin, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Being a, a so, slave to Jesus is, is a lot better than being free without him. <laughs> Well, I mean, when, when we're in Christ, we're free, right? And Absolutely. Paul's argument here is, is you guys were slaves to sin, right? Yeah. Outside of Christ, you're a slave to sin. You were enslaved to these things that are idols. They're false gods. You served carved images. Mm-hmm. But well, now you have freedom. Well, there's the, uh, the, the whole point of even asking... Uh, 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 of of even of even trying to find and calling somebody, and this is super offensive to them for obvious reasons, is to say that you're you're a slave. When Christians, it seems so funny because Christians seem to the outside world like we're people who have this strict set of code that we live by and everything, and it's really bad if we break the code. And to them, that sounds like slavery. But to us, we say, when we call it, when we sin, we don't say we're breaking some code we have. We say, well, we're, we're doing evil for which we need to be forgiven, and we will be forgiven. Not like we have to go on a new quest for forgiveness. Yeah, and, and the fallacy is they fail to realize that they live by their own code of being enslaved to sin. Right? They don't think twice about what they do. There's no remorse because there's no spirit. There's no repentance, right? So um, it's a fallacious argument to say we're the slaves because really we're the free ones. We have freedom in Christ, and they're the slaves to sin and the devil. Right. So, you know, I, I feel bad for any unbeliever because every Christian knows the tragedy that's, that's going to partake anyone who holds that to the point of death. Yeah, it's 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 mortifying, and uh, um, well, that's again. The, the, you notice even this Jesus slave kind of thing. What it does is it comes off as somewhat of, um, uh, I would say, arrogant. And you need to maintain that arrogance because what it does is it tells you, "I'm right. I am right. I'm right." And and to show me I'm right, I have to destroy you. And, and, and Christians, and Christians are saying, <laughs> my weird alarm went off, but Christians are saying, you know what? I don't have to destroy you. The Holy Spirit in the preaching of the gospel will renew your mind and give you faith. So we don't bring people to faith by, by um, burning them and destroying them. We want them to actually be raised up. We let we let the the law do the destroying, we and the gospel do the rising again. Yeah, we were once in their place, and you know, like I said, I embrace the term. I don't have a problem with it. Jesus, like, okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah, you know, and then they get angry if if you if you're not upset that they try to to slander you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you were a jerk to me. <laughs> they're, they're they're like mad that you're not mad. Yeah, you can't you can't win, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, 
and and it's a it's a great thing because um but now you have come to know god and then he says or rather to be known by god how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more so he not only says and this is an important thing i think for christians to hear lots of people know god like the devil knows god a lot of atheists know who he is but as um as one who has been baptized who has received the holy spirit whose name is written in the book of life god says i know you and so that is paul i think makes a a really good distinction there yeah, for sure, because Jesus says in, in Matthew 7, uh, what is it, 21? Depart from me, you who work iniquity, I never knew you. Yeah, right. right. And so, God knowing you, and, and for somebody who knows everything, he is, you have to understand, when he says, when he forgets sin, it's as far away from his mind, and if you're an unbeliever, if that's the sin against the Holy Spirit, that's, you know, I don't know you. And so only through his son, by faith in his son, Jesus Christ, does he even, does he know us? Yeah, that's right. And anybody who's baptized, you are known by God. You've been called by name. You are elected. You are known by the Almighty. And he has put his name and seal upon you and yeah. spirit within you. That, that's a really good point you're making because sometimes people who are baptized faithful Christians are having a horrible day and I mean a horrible day or a horrible week or a horrible month and we need to keep reminding them that Jesus Christ has indeed done for you what you can't do for yourself and in the darkest spot in the world on account of your baptism you always have the light of Christ. That's right, and it's that's that's the beauty of baptism is you could say God knows me. He can't say the words of Matthew seven to you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. It's the text says I never knew you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he cannot say to you, I never knew you. He called you by name, Christian. So we have these great gospel promises. So. Don't ever eisegete the text. That's the problem. If you read yourself into it, right, then, then people are like, uh oh, what if this is me? Well, if you're worried about it, it's not you. <laughs> That's a really good point about eisegesis and, and trying to just sort of personalize everything in the Bible and know that the answer with the scripture is, is don't just kind of salad bar it. How is it being said? Give me the context. Is he speaking prescriptively or descriptively and um yeah that's oh eisegesis you just really gotta gotta take a run away from that because so many people christian people mind you i'm not i'm not disparaging their faith but they they kind of dig a real deep hole for themselves when they look for things in the scriptures that aren't there it's like you're you're digging through a, a dung heap right next to uh, a wonderful restaurant and you're hoping to find something delicious in there and you're right next to a, a perfectly good restaurant that has the best of food and so yeah 
be beware of that people just look at the gifts that god has given you in the way he's promised to give them to you and even in those darkest hours you'll find that his light is what's going to comfort you amen amen um you know and that's you know what i find makes a really good theologian hmm. what's that someone who could just just point to places you know, that, that's all we do is we point people to the right place, right? Yeah. Well, I need help here. Well, we just point, right? We know where it is. That's all we know is we know where to show you Jesus, or we know where to show you the law. We know where to show you, you know, what you need, you know, based on what's happening. So uh, usually it's the gospel, though. Uh, yeah. That's what keeps the Christian going. But say we have uh, someone who's unpenitent, we would say, no, no, you need to go over to the law and, and read this. But... I mean, that's all a good theologian really does is is point people in the right direction to where God speaks. Yeah. Um, I have to I have to say this is one thing where I, I'm really pleased with the Lutheran Study Bible. And um, their comment on this is, The Holy Spirit assures us that we are God's children, redeemed by Jesus Christ and made full heirs of the promise to Abraham. The Spirit never derides God's Son or spiritual matters. Christ earned for us the right to be the right to call God our Father, a prayer taught only by the Spirit. So I think that ESV gets a gets a little clap, a little a little good job, dude, because um, one it does a good job of doing what you just said. Point them towards what is good. Don't just look for clever, snazzy words. Yep, except you guys uh, out there, you're out of luck because we're Bush League. So yeah. look for somebody good and uh, tell us when you find them. So yeah. <laughs> <talk> them <laughs> you got to be way better theologians than us if you're looking for somebody to give you some wisdom better than the scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're on the we're on the we're on the sale rack over here. <laughs> so um, now there's a section of saying, and this is interesting, and we we do have to deal with Christians sometimes that they they fall into sin and they start looking at you know the term of the elementary principles, the basic tenets of the fallen world, and. Um, they start kind of falling back into that. And sometimes they demand it from their church. They want their church to be more like the elementary principles of the world. And they stop wanting to leave the world in the divine service. And, and they don't want to be brought into heaven. They kind of want to be brought into a, a churchy world. <laughs> you know? And this is a real problem because Christians can kind of fool themselves um into thinking well it's all good because you know i'm i'm christian-ish and and paul is going you know you guys got to stay away from that once you get out of the dung heap just stay in the restaurant man <laughs> yeah no kidding um you know what what works good for this if you find yourself in this situation burn it whatever it is just burn it yeah and you'll see you can live without it yeah, it's hard. It's hard, though, because, again, we're not perfectionists. We believe that we, are, uh, that we have sin and we are not deceiving ourselves. And so this is a call for repentance. 
a call to turn away from the elementary principles and a return in forgiveness to Christ, which that uh, that uh, return is made only possible by the the Holy Ghost, who gives us faith. So yeah, that's definitely that's definitely um, a good thing for Paul to point out. Going, hey, you guys, I just took you out of the mud. How come you're you're planning a mud party? <laughs> uh, only pigs like mud. <laughs> Now you're going to trigger all the Jews here in, in the Galatians that are, are uh, Judaizing the foolish Galatians. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to trigger them a couple more times before we're done here. Um, the, the Judaizers are going to be... Paul triggered the Judaizers left and right. Well, that's what he's going to do next. He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. So... This is a reference to Levitical uh, law, observing days, months, and seasons, and years. Yeah. Well, he's suggesting that that's exactly what they're doing, is you're holding on to the, to the festivals of the Judaizers, the ones that, make, that are supposed to make you righteous. And he's going, guys, that's it's Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, they think they, they have to have Jesus and this. That's yeah. the problem. Right. Whenever it's Jesus and, it's not Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Now, someone will twist the words out there and be like, oh, see, he said Jesus and. He's antinomian. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> That's not at all what we're saying. We're saying, you know, it's by God. Like it says, rather you've been known by God. God gives the law, God works repentance, God gives the gospel, God works faith, God's doing the doing. Just relax. Uh-huh. I tell people, you know, I tell uh, recent converts, I said, don't even worry about sanctification. Worry about justification. And guess what? They become uh, more third use just by doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, anytime, anytime Jesus gives us something awesome... The old Adam is going, now what can we do to make it awesomer? <laughs> or, or what can we do to add to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's help. Hey, if you've got a brand new, or I mean, if you've got a cherried out 69 Camaro SS in your carport, and I go out there and I, I take a sign that's made out of wood that says awesome and I nail it into the side of your car, you're going, you're not helping me, bro. <laughs> That doesn't help me. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to paint it with crayons. Oh, I'm just telling you, it's it's a car I love. It's a Detroit Steel, and, uh, <laughs> and then somebody uh, goes and well, what you need me to do is to take my engraver and write your name on the side of the door and chip through the paint. And I'm like you're you're a bad person. <laughs> Leave my leave my my American steel alone. Oh man, let's see here. Okay. So let me get back. So as we look here, and again, it, saying it's not Jesus and, um, and we have uh, of course this. I gotta say this. I can't move on until I say this. This also doesn't mean we're Jehovah's Witnesses. 
We don't, we don't read this and go, you can't celebrate your kid's birthday. You can't celebrate the nativity of our Lord. You cannot celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. That's not the same thing. This, these are these are festivals for their special purpose of Jesusing people without Jesus. <laughs> so there's there's a big difference. We don't I, we didn't just become bush league Jehovah's Witnesses here. Yeah, this is a direct correlation with with Old Testament law. This is this is written in the books of Moses, and this is this is Paul is what he's saying here. You know, is you're not justified by ceremonial law. These things. I mean, he goes on right it, uh, more further in the text, but you're you're Christ is the fulfillment of this stuff. You don't you don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, and it's, it's not like you said. It's not like uh, a, a holy day that you pick to observe to God just because you know of your freedom in Christ. This is uh, straight up Judaism. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So there's. So there we go. I just had to, I know, maybe it was like I was having to make a, a, a caveat to say, well, you know, I don't want you to say that. I mean, we're saying that Paul's talking about these ones, but we're not talking about Christmas and your birthday. So um, uh, it is strictly, uh, it, it would be wrong to say it is forbidden by God to have fun. You know, that's kind of what but they don't celebrate stuff. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses are at on this. Um, yeah, well, huh? prove that as long as you're doing it from as long as you're doing it from faith, yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, that's any, 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 anything done from faith is good to God. Yeah, absolutely, because it's Him doing His thing. <laughs> so, so when He gets here, and he, and now He's not just leaving him out to hang, but He's still gonna He's still gonna pour some salt on there in verse 12 brothers I entreat you become as I am for I also have become as you are you did me no wrong so he's he's pointing them and while many people are in a hurry to say I want to become Jesus Saint Paul tends to tell them um, no don't be like these calendar following Judaizers be like I am, one who is set free by Christ to love Him alone, without anything else. Yeah, that's right. And um, I mean, he's kind of admonishing uh, them, you know, from from when they met in the beginning. You yeah. Know? And he's going to go on and 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 say more about that. So I'll let you go on with that. Well, we'll get the context. Well, he says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, meaning it was difficult, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Um, what then has become of your blessedness? So, um, so first of all, he's talking about getting uh, getting to know them and him and his ailment this has always kind of fascinated me that um saint paul got really sick i mean something bad like i don't know malaria or, or something like that and um and and it's maybe something that he had i think he had something like he had contracted and he got sick and the devil was having a great day 
and they in the but God's people didn't scatter. They didn't they didn't leave their pastor in a lurch because he wasn't doing well. Rather, they lifted him up and um, and didn't despise him or scorn him because of his illness. And they took care of their pastor. And then that's a really good lesson for Christians. I learned that from my pastor. Yeah, and, and scholars really can't agree on what, what's happening. We know Paul is nearsighted, you know, because that's why he says, I, I, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me, right? Oh, yeah. Well, there, um, was, there was something, yeah, up with his eyes. And, I, and I, I, I'm with you on that. I don't know exactly what it is. There's just there's just some clues here and there. Oh, my son set off the guinea pig alarm. But um, well, to to harmonize this, um, you know, if we take the text from Second Corinthians okay. where Paul gets the thorn in his flesh, we're not told what that thorn in the flesh is. All we know is it's a messenger from Satan sent to harass him. Yeah. Be, to keep him be, from becoming elated, right? Because mm. he's becoming puffed up because of exceeding revelation. Sure. And Christ tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made great in your weakness. So anyone who says, well, I'm going to be a great Christian, well, this God's power is made great in our weakness. And we stumble a lot. And we walk around weak. Well, and, and that's okay because Christianity isn't a show of how amazing I am. It's a show of how graceful the true God really is. Oh, I've been doing it wrong all this time then. Well, no, you're... Uh, that, gi- <laughs> I was the, just joking. The was gym joking. in your basement is to show <laughs> is for is for uh, Zach to show Zach how strong he is. <laughs> I, know, I know you're not trying to win any awards or anything, but I do know the one person who challenges you the most is probably you. Well, and that's just it. For the Christian, you don't have enemies, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you're, I mean, the enemy is you. That's what I'm being saved from, right? Myself. That's what I'm looking forward to is the day when Jesus comes and says, you're not going to be evil anymore. You know, now you're perfected. Yay, right? Oh, absolutely. Everything's all hunky-dory. This is the problem when we get into antinomianism. When someone says, well, I could be a homosexual and a Christian, or I can have sex outside of marriage and, and be a Christian and continue to sin against conscience, and they say, well, that's not really sin. Well, what what you just do to, to what you're being saved from and who's saving you? Right. right? If, if it's not evil and if you don't need to be saved from it, you're not confessing it to be evil, what are you being saved from? Right. Well, here's here's something, and I'm not trying to be provocative, well, absolutely, you can be a homosexual and a Christian, but it just like I can be uh, any kind of sinner that I am and be a Christian because I turn to Christ for the forgiveness of that. You know, it's not to say, I am now, here's what I will say to follow that up. Don't, uh, don't say to me, I am unrepentant and I'm a Christian in that sense, is to say that Jesus says it's good to be unrepentant and be a Christian. That's entirely false. Yeah, I I should have said that better, but I did say uh, continually sin against conscience, and that's what I was getting at, is the unpenitent part. Because you're going to have, and that's why 
I'm not going to just throw the homosexual under the bus because I haven't met a man yet who's not an adulterer in heart. Sure. So, you know, it goes both ways. It's all sin. It's all evil. So, um, none is innocent. And and we're looking to the day of, of when we're being saved from fighting the flesh continually. Sure. I mean, um, yeah, it's a good point because... Um, a lot of, I think the devil tries to tell people and, and again, not to beat up on homosexuals, but it's a really relevant topic is to say that, Oh, you're homosexual. Uh, step one, go away from Jesus because they will never love you. And the, and there, there is there. Think of what a, what a perfect half truth this is. And what he's saying is the devil is just trying to get them to say, well, get away from Jesus as soon as possible. But he does it to other people, too. He does it to gamblers. He does it to drug dealers. He does it to even those who are suffering in addiction of any type. It's always the step one is get away from Jesus. They don't understand you. Well, here's the problem, because... That's, that's right, and I know you've met these people in your ministry because I meet them all the time. Well, Jesus can't forgive my sins. They always feel like they're the worst, right? Yeah. And what do they do? What does the devil do? He tries to do exactly what you said, get them away from Jesus. But that that's not the answer. The answer is the absolution that Christ offers. That's what's going to soothe the conscience. If you're, if you're following the voice of the devil, like Adam, and going away from Jesus and his word then you're you're trying to soothe your conscience but it'll never it'll never be soothed without that that real absolution from the real christ yeah and and that's the best trick the devil always has is to put you in the driver's seat he's done it since adam and eve yep look away that's all he's got once you know the playbook it's pretty lame yeah well <laughs> it, it Think about it. It's like having a pitch that everybody swings at, and you get you're like, he's not going to throw it this time. Of course, he's going to throw it. And um, you know, I always think of it as baseball as just a wicked slider or something. And 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 you're like, well, no, no, he thinks I'm expecting it, so he's not going to throw it. So I'm going to get ready for another one. Then he throws that pitch again, <laughs> and it's always the doubt, the unbelief pitch. Well, and he'll use different means. So if he didn't get you today by uh, by everything going wrong, your car not starting, you got late to work, you spilt your coffee on your lap, all of that. If he didn't get you then, then he's gonna send someone to sin against you tomorrow. Yeah. Get you real real bothered. So, I mean, that's the playbook, though. It's just to dull the conscience and then get you to look away from Christ. Yeah, and and that's the best thing you can do. It the you know some people are like yeah. Uh, there's a band that's called Tenacious D, and they love to depict the devil, you know, as, with the goat legs and the big, scary, rawr, you know. But the truth of the matter is, is the scriptures say that he comes posing as an angel of light, as something awesome looking, something you can trust, and and stuff like that. It's uh, it's way more, it's way more tricky than than that makes it out to be. So, um. And with Paul, again, hey, here he is. He's sick. And what do they do? They go, well, you know, it was cool when he was doing the healing and the baptisms and the talking in tongues. But now he's kind of sick. So maybe we should move on. 
Nope, they don't. They don't. They go, this guy's got something special for us. God called him to be our pastor. We're going to we're going to take care of him. And they did. And I, and I and I so there's there's Paul giving the props and so he says, "What then?" I'm sorry, in verse 15 he says, "What then has become of your blessedness?" Um, you know, cuz they would consider themselves really doing well and and um now he's saying so so what's the deal what what happened and um for well, here's what i'm thinking as we read through the the text if, if you can imagine it segues with our conversation about the devil getting them to look away you had these judaizers move in that were planted by satan mm -hmm. and they said do you really think that's a man of god look how weak he is and nearsighted and ailed yeah feeble right look look you think that's a mighty man of god yeah. and he got them to what doubt just like adam right and yeah. then move into this other system of you know moving away from christianity and back into the old code that's been nailed to the cross right and fulfilled so there's that's a really good point because there are people that are just like the devil posing as an angel of light are coming and going come on but just like you said they're going well look at this guy he's nothing that we should regard him well that's how jesus was too and uh, isaiah tells us as much and um and so they say well look at him he's not like hercules he's not powerful well it's not it's not about paul it's about the jesus and this converting that he's done with the gospel so where was it? I lost my spot. Uh, yeah, telling them you that you, you would have gouged out your eyes and given to them to me. Have I be have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Whoa, they make much of you. <laughs> I mean, well, well, hold on. I want to pause there. How much in in postmodern enlightenment era today do we become the enemy for telling people the truth, man? Oh, all the time, and. It's uh, it's it's the the another thing does it say? Well, you what is it they say now? You've got your truth, you know. Tell them your truth, and I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe they let you have a driver's license. <laughs> or, 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 or they even allow you to walk, you know. So wait, there's two truths now. How is that logically consistent, right? Yeah, it is the ultimate. It is the ultimate. Um, creating oh well it's the ultimate of setting yourself apart to say that i've got my truth and it stands alone and it's apart from everybody else well well that's nothing new that christianity is the work of god that is setting you apart but with him but in this modern era having your own truths and whatnot is you setting yourself apart and making yourself holy unto your own self that's what Caesar did. Well, that's when you have the when you have different truths, right? You well, you have your truth and I have my truth. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, my response is always going to be okay. Well, my truth says that I get to have all your money and stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, and then they don't like that, and I'm like, well, why not? You know, because then it goes to an argument of morality. Yeah. Well, and. and, and then, my truth always just happens to go along with whatever I want to do. 
Yeah, that's the thing for the Christian is is we don't define truth. God defines truth for us. We submit to His definition of definition of reason. Yeah. Law, good, right, wrong, right. That's you have a God, Christian. Submit to that guy. Exactly. And so when you're when you're dealing with that, that's just it's it's so subjective it's another way to cancel out having a conversation and for christians and this is why the devil wants us to cancel conversations because he knows that in the word of god there is power to change people forever so if you can kill conversation you can stop that word of god being brought into these people who suffer so greatly with unbelief or with making themselves gods i think i'm one of the first lutherans to do the uh, presuppositional route though but not like the not like the evangelicals i do it in a lutheran way so i challenge worldviews with presuppositions and then once you break them down and show them to be self-contradictory, it gives you a chance to actually introduce then the truth, sure. the real truth, right? Well, you you know that's a classic atheist trick, right? I mean, uh, uh, I mean the presupposition is for an atheist, and I would do this is to say, okay, well, you're you're assuming this whole thing is coming from the idea that there is a mythical sky pixie out there and it sounds good because he's gonna save you but i would say what if what if that there was no such thing as sin and basically we're all just here together trying to help each other out see what my worldview change there is and um but with you, you when you're doing it it works by the way I would say that I was being very, uh, well, I was being very disingenuous because my worldview, I wasn't, there's no way you can disprove God, right? Right, but, that's but, why I ask that when they say, well, are we helping the world? I say, sure, give me all your stuff, you'll help me. Yeah. <laughs> Deny yourself, give me all your stuff, and, and it show me that you actually believe what you're saying, and then they won't do it because, well, there's it or two. Right, but what you're doing you can actually objectively test their claims. Right. And, and it's real science, in other words. So what they call science is actually false. And what, what science, real science, actually does is it proves God. Sure. And, I mean, Paul makes the argument in Romans 1 from uh, creation, and then again in, in Corinthians about objective morality. Mm -hmm. So there's ways that we can prove the existence of God, but then we have to we have to break down the worldview, show them that that it's wrong, and then, like I said, build it back up with the truth in Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, the the proof you know that God gives us is in the sending of the Holy Spirit and the witness of Scripture, these kind of things. But people want, and this is another trick of the devil. Okay, you've got all these things now, but get rid of those and give me something else other than what God has given you. <laughs> you know, and that's why I went the presuppositional route because I got so sick of doing history. And I mean, you would you would sit there for five hours, pull all your historical sources, fact check everything, right? Because you're a Christian, you're not going to do it wrong on purpose, right? You're gonna right. you're gonna fact check. You're gonna go. Through. 
And then they just go, no, not that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, you tell me why this is wrong. And the burden is on you to show it's wrong because I'm proving it is right. You see, and then I realize they don't have any answers for any of the other stuff. They're logically not logical. Well, this is how you've become their enemy for telling the truth. So, sure. And so, um, but he says it is always good to be made to be, oh, wait, I skipped it. Um, have I become your enemy for telling the truth? They make much of you, but for no good reason. They, they want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. <laughs> How many times have we had that conversation with somebody? I mean... They're just, they're, they're trying to make a big deal to go, oh, you guys are so, uh, like, holy and so righteous, and you're, you're learning the, the proper way to, what is it, uh, to be a, a good Judaized, <laughs> but he does come to them, he's being very firm, he's being loving, by the way, he, he won't make you happy, he's gonna melt your snowflake, but he's going to tell you the truth. Um, and the enemies of the gospel, you know, they they try to hide and look like the gospel, but they're really not. And then when some guy like Paul comes out and calls them on it, you know, it's, it's upsetting because maybe they had been fooled. Maybe they're going, I bet Paul's going to be really happy with us. And they're like, he's not happy with us. <laughs> So, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, that at this point they were disowning Paul, you know, like cause it, like like we were talking about the devil say that weak guy, you really trust him, and it, and it got them to go, huh, yeah, you know what, he was pretty weak, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, it, right, and then they then they were able to sleep it, but I I, I love the the text here that says um, they want to make much of you in order then to shut you out. So that you come begging to them and you make much of them. See, it's all about them. It's their narcissistic personality. Yep. I'll say it again. I think you have to be pretty arrogant to uh, even attempt to trump Jesus, either in atheism or even as the Judaizers were doing. You have to have a very high opinion of yourself. And, and by the way, you need to have that high opinion of yourself or your or your phony line will not last yeah and you know you, you've said it so many times that I'm going to touch on it a little bit more it, you know if you have an atheist neighbor that you're trying to share the gospel with um, they've already pre-assumed your position yeah. they've already pre-assumed that you're this righteous holy uh, law abiding, right? All the all the things of like uh, the books of Moses. That's what they think you are. Yeah. They don't actually see you as a as a beggar in need of of, of uh, a savior. So, and and this is what getting back to what you were saying. Um, when they pre pre assumed your position, you know, most times you have to approach it carefully. I had one guy 
I would talk to him about Jesus, and, and about six weeks would go by. And we'd talk for maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day. And then one day, he said to me, I'm sick and tired about hearing how, how righteous you are. And my jaw just hit the floor. I, I was stunned because the whole time I was talking about Jesus. I, I'm standing here baffled, like, did you not hear a word I said this entire time? Yeah. That's, you know, and this, oh, you see that he pre is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, what I'm thinking is, is yeah, he, he pre-assumed my position from the beginning, ignored every word about Jesus I had to say, and then still pre-assumed my position at the end. So now I start with deconstructing the worldview because that leaves us a, a, a place to start to talk. When you show that, that they don't have an objective justification for truth, or morality, or logic, or reason. These are attributes of God. They're stealing from the Christian worldview to to take these things. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not just going to hand them over without a fight. We're saying, hold on, before you before you latch onto these and claim them as your own, you're going to have to claim the divine with it. Yeah, well, because that's what gives you and I aren't just naturally noble people. We actually, when we talk about things that we value or morals or things like that, they come with substance because they have a source other than our own selves. Yeah, if I wanted to be famous and all that and, and, and do something else with lifting, I, I probably could, but, you know, it doesn't... Um, I would rather do the scriptures, you know. I would rather spend my time on, on the, the real treasure right sure the other thing's just because i'm uh what what what's the word that we said a long time ago a uh, sadomasochist <laughs> yeah <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> that Lesh just means my sadomasochist personality being rolled over with steel so lesher's got some issues <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna deny that i'm not gonna deny that. i got issues but that's why i need jesus because i got issues but he's also got like 71 inch biceps <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had that problem. If only they had brain cells, though. Imagine how much theology I could pack into that. Yeah, right? like you open the top of it and throw in some stuff in there going, yeah, that's yeah, for you later. Yeah, you keep storing, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, we, we would have, like, history from the beginning, you know, all the way through every every last bit. It doesn't work like that, so. Well, you know, I don't know if this was accidentally or on purpose, but... Um, the uh what we're talking about right now really does kind of segue into the group question that we read you want to do that yeah let's go ahead and do that well marianne she writes how does one respond to a statement along the lines of there has been so much spiritual warfare going on here lately examples of such being a kid becoming suicidal staff feeling oppressed and or discouraged etc in what way is this true scriptural phenomenon, and in what way is it fooey? Well, there's there's kind of there's a pretty easy way, and and I want to set the tone here. Um, spiritual warfare is you gotta have to think of it in terms of things that are giving you trouble, not with your car, not with your house, but with your faith, and so you gotta you gotta keep it along those lines. And um, sometimes they interconnect, but ultimately it has to do with your relationship to Christ. Um, so there's, 
a spiritual warfare like if you're and and I just I just had a, a did a funeral here for a delightful lady who um, she suffered with uh, memory loss part um, Alzheimer's you know these kind of things where slowly the things that you remember start to fade away and there are even some who you know concerned about I've heard well what if a person loses their memory and they forget Jesus and um, and so that's a spiritual warfare for them right because now they're going is memory the lost the unforgivable sin you know what I mean that's a spiritual warfare because now you have people wondering if some earthly ailment is going to uh, take away the love of Christ. Yeah, and that if they're baptized, that's that's just the elements of sin. You know what? What I've seen is when if people like that, when the, when hymns are sung in the liturgy, this is what's this is what's so important about liturgy, folks. Is it, it's a teaching, yeah. and it's done over and over and over again. And if if you go to somebody like that and and you do it, they usually join in yep. because they they know. You know, it's just been it's been beat into them and the spirit is still with them so they know yeah i mean i'm thankful for her family that uh, that i know through our congregation because obviously i don't know their whole family but the ones that i know they love her very much and they miss her and they were sorry to see kind of her get chipped away here but all the time and saint paul says it it's not just that she knows jesus but he knows her and so he doesn't lose his memory <laughs> so he knows her and so that's right there's... that's right so oh go ahead and when we're on the topic of uh spiritual warfare it's a very real and present danger and it's gonna be a daily battle uh this is why we're warned over and over and we'll get to this later in galatians flesh versus spirit right yeah now, Paul says in another place, Ephesians, I think it is, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities uh, of in the heavenly places. We, we, we're not... So what, what happens is the demonic wants to tempt the conscience again and get the law to be dulled on the conscience and persuade you to sin yourself out of faith. Sure. That's the, that's the game plan of the devil. Get you to look away from Jesus. And, and that's one of the ways he does it, but the, the evangelical world has kind of ruined spiritual warfare because they're like, oh, I slipped on the ice, you know, spiritual warfare. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right, right, right. So it's like, no, no. But, you know, a million bad things happen in a day and you're starting to question, where is Jesus in all of this? That's spiritual warfare, you see? Yeah, definitely. So, I, yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the way to fight, the way to fight spiritual warfare, it's, it's given for us in the scriptures. Right, right in Revelation, it plainly says, And they, the church, the church um, overcame the dragon by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Yep. So, through word and sacrament is how we defeat the devil, how Christ defeats the devil, I should say, and how we stay in the faith. Right, I mean... My son, um, who's by the way here with us right now, say hello, Bron. Hello. Um, he he experiences it. You know, you know, he goes to a public school here, and he's around people all the time that think his faith is ridiculous, and um, they'll speak. You know, trying to 
make him think that he's being ridiculous for being a Christian. I mean, wouldn't you say that's true? Yeah, lots of kids at school say, God, Dad, you know, yeah. comes next. It, And I just look at them like, really? Yeah, there's, and and even like making fun of him. And and he's like, well, okay, you know, you're making fun of me. And, and his dad is... Uh, Hopefully, and his mom, we've raised him enough to say, well, teasing shouldn't be what sets your worldview. <laughs> well, whenever they say something like that to me, I always say, let me talk to my dad about it, and I'll come back and tell you tomorrow. Sure. Again, he doesn't have to be a gunslinger theologian either. No, good confession is the creed. And um, um, notice when they persecute you, they're not persecuting you. They're persecuting Christ himself, as he says to Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. While he's killing Christians. Yeah. And uh, that's actually, that gives us also an insight into how the closeness we have with Jesus um, doing to them, even he says, the least of those you've done for you've done it for me and then he says to Paul you're persecuting me and so it's uh it's to say that you, you don't want to distinguish the Christian from Christ insofar as um that they're somehow separated in the sense you know Jesus isn't five feet away from me he's with me well I should say I'm with him because I'm the one who's been set apart yeah, James says it too. I can't remember uh, uh, where where he says. Uh, oh, uh, James four or five four five six. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So James says it also. When 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 these people are sitting against the congregation against the church, they're sitting against Christ. And, well, that's right. Uh, and where's the... Um, I lost my spot here. Oh, okay, here it is. And so when we have people that talk about spiritual warfare, keep in mind, and this is really where you're going to get hope, the fact that... Um, the fact that you got a flat tire isn't spiritual warfare. The fact that you got cancer isn't spiritual warfare. The fact that any of this... But what spiritual warfare is if you start to second guess who God is and say, I've got cancer, does that mean he doesn't love me? Or where was God when I got cancer? Well, he was in the water and the word baptizing you, forgiving you, that you would say that, well, cancer is going to take my life, but it won't take me away from the love of Christ. Well, and then, and then we have the typology, obviously, where Jesus assumed our cancer into himself on the cross and he suffered that that fleshly suffering that we suffer with and for us so we're not alone ever in the sufferings that we have to endure no and you actually bring up a good point on the cross he was the only one who was ever alone in suffering when the when my god my god why have you forsaken me that's something as Christians we don't know. We don't know that uh, we don't know that experience, and because of Christ's death on the cross, um, that's why we don't know that. Because 
He took that abandonment away from us. I'm not complaining. I mean, it sounds like a good deal to me. <laughs> All right, so we got another one here that this is a this has been a pretty good one, and you know what? I like this this section because it gives us an opportunity to flesh out some of the things to say that, you know, not everything in Galatians is all, oh, it's adoption and everything. Sometimes it's important to point out that Christians are also people who fail. We get confused. We get misdirected. But the answer to it is always the word of God to bring us back. Yeah, at the beginning of the book, remember, Paul doesn't outright reject them. He addresses them as brothers and sisters. And then, I mean, the letter is basically a law gospel epistle. You know, there's there's more law, but I mean, there's so much gospel between Paul's law, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the guy is just, he's the, he's a preacher for sure, right? Yeah, um, he never confuses them. No, he doesn't. I mean, I mean, he even tells them, hey, you're, you're severed from Christ, you know, you who would be justified by the law. If that's not preaching a law of gospel at the same time, <laughs> I don't know what is. Right? No, I don't either. He's the only, he's the only guy that can pull it off. Yeah. Um, but um, he addresses them as brothers, and the letter's going to be a call to repentance. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, well, my brother, I think that uh, with this, I think that's a good ending spot. Um I'm really excited that we got a chance, and, and I promise listeners, thank you for your faithful listening and for your wonderful comments and questions, and uh, Zach and I are going to try to keep our schedule synced up better than we have so that we're continually putting these out, because you know we're coming up on our one-year mark um, coming up in, um, in February. I should make myself a cake or something. I know, right? Well, I gotta make a. I'll make a keto cake if that's possible. So I'm really excited about it. And you know, these people have given us a year of of listening and asking questions and everything like that. So that's that's really exciting. So well, well and I want to say that about our group. We have a great group. You know, there's it's not true dramatic. You know, compared to other places on the internet. Yeah, we got we have a, a great group of people asking great Christian questions and, and tons of help. Yeah. You know, so we really can't complain. Yeah, we keep the Bush League Bush League. All right, well, everybody, uh, I really appreciate you tuning in and for Zach Lesher, this is Bron Hoffman. God bless your day and we'll see you next time. <laughs>